Hey, welcome in. We decided to, you know what? Saddle up. We're doing week 18. So we figured, hey, oh. I got it. Yeah, that's where we're at with it. Who's uh, not going to do it? And then I got a bunch of responses and everything. I was like, okay, I guess there are people that are playing these leagues still. So if people are playing, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you win. So we're going to do our best. I know it's chaos, so we need to kind of just rate it everything. Um, I was looking at the inactive list. I think, Jeremy, you have the inactive list. Do you want to kind of like go over all the inactive players? Yeah, I have like eight documents up here, like just trying to sort <laughs> through all of it. So um, we have what um, – what we know to be true in the early window. And then we have what is probably true in the later window. But uh, as far as the early window, it looks like we have six games uh, that kick off at one o'clock. Um, so Falcons in New Orleans are one of those. A uh, big one there is Tyler Heineke is out, uh, which means Desmond Ritter is in facing that New Orleans defense. Hasn't been so daunting, but uh, a little bit of a concern, maybe something that slightly downgrades uh, those already well downgraded passing weapons in Atlanta. Um, so something to keep out uh, a lookout for. And on the other side of the ball, you got Alvin Kamara, who's out. Uh, Kendra Miller, who should be in and could dominate touches again. It's week 18. Who knows what the heck's going on? Uh, Juwan Johnson also in. So looking to help uh, everyone who's still playing with another, of course, dominant performance <laughs> after uh, after most of the fantasy season is over. So uh, that's that game. Uh, let's see what else. Other big ones. A uh, big one here is uh, the entire right side of the Vikings offensive line is out uh, against Detroit. So you really probably want to be fading uh, those running backs even more than you normally would against one of the best run-stopping Ds. Uh, and then, of course, Nick Mullins. Uh, you're going to want to fade him. Um, uh, on the other side of the lines, J-Mo's out. Not a big loss there. Um, uh, Trevor Lawrence for the Jags is in. Christian Kirk is out. Uh, Will Levis is in. Is out for the Titans, which I believe, Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong, but that should be Ryan Tannehill uh, yeah, in there again for, for Levis. Uh, who knows? <laughs> um, for the Browns and the Bengals game, Amari uh, Cooper is out. Uh, and I think uh, Marquise Goodwin is out, which means Elijah Moore is in and really the only weapon outside of Njoku and, uh, you know, Bryant, uh, any other tight ends over there. Uh, but also the entire <laughs> Browns starting defense is sitting. Uh, Miles Garrett, Juan Thornhill, Greg Newsom are all out. Uh, and then the other side, T. Higgins is out for the Bengals. Uh, so just things to consider there in those early games. In the later games, we're expecting Raheem Moster, uh, Jalen Waddell, and Isaiah Pacheco out. Uh, we're expecting Cole Komet and Khalil Herbert in for the bears so it's a wild scenario this week 18 this yeah. is this is why personally i don't play any week 18 just because of all the chaos going on it just like you take all of the variance and everything and then you just ramp it up like tenfold for this week so yeah a lot of a lot of weeks what i've heard from people are playing like the second week of the championship of things of that nature I was like, okay that makes sense you know because you have four teams and you do two weeks each and do it so i i, I get it but yeah you just have to just buckle up Hope you have the best thing going because a lot of these players are coming out of nowhere. Interesting enough, I think like two guys we hyped up in the offseason, Kendra and Roshan, two running backs we were very excited for coming into the year. Yeah. They get their shot this week. So it's interesting to see Roshan's been very hit or miss. Kendra's been a nothing burger. Like he's literally yeah. done nothing this entire season. So hey, there's two rookies to like look out for. You know, there's a couple other guys as well. But yeah, it's just it's a wild week. <laughs> I was just looking at the slate and I was like, ooh boy, it's gonna be fun. So you know, I mean it's gonna be fun football at least. And there's some very yeah. important games. We saw last night how that game went, and like that game was a lot of fun to watch in the playoffs today. Yeah, well. So we'll see how the Buffalo Miami game goes tonight with <laughs> Buffalo possibly taking that division. Miami, you know, 
they're in shambles right now with the injuries. There's no monster, like you said. There's no and Waddle looks like he's out. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's chaos. So it's gonna be fun though. Looking at that. So how are um you you're not playing any league, right? Right now? Nothing. No. Uh I did that once a few uh, uh more than a few years ago. I remember Matthew Stafford was my quarterback uh years ago on the Lions. I was super excited about it. Uh Calvin Johnson was there. Um everybody but he had an injury. Uh, they weren't sure how it was going to go, but they're like, yeah, fire him up. Uh, and then they just, you know, rested him um, for for week 18 because they had uh, playoffs, you know, they were already in. So just complete disaster. Uh, this is why week 18, uh, everybody, um, you know, is kind of urging you to, if you're playing this week, move it up. Uh, you just have no clue uh, what the playoff scenarios are going to do to your starters who are looking to heal up uh for the meaningful games next week so yeah it's a tough Absolutely. one so what do you what are you kind of looking forward to this week like are there certain players or teams you're kind of focusing on for yourself well i think the look i i had a rough playoff schedule right <laughs> i had i had some tough losses i i more or less kind of uh phoned a lot of this weekend but i will say this uh you did mention a few of the rookies um i'd love to see uh, Denver give Marvin Mims a little bit more of a chance. I'd love to see kind of Rashi Rice absolutely torch the Chargers as he should um, in that game, uh, even though, you know, uh, that's really not a meaningful matchup there uh, since Casey's in and the Chargers are out. Uh, but I'd love to see how these rookies kind of um, just like you said, Roshan Kendra handle themselves down the stretch and also kind of backfields that are in flux a little bit. I'd like to see what Minnesota does, especially with, um, their line just broken, at least for this week. Uh, I'd like to see if Chandler truly steps up again and can assume that role. I'd like to see if Chuba uh, is still planning on being the guy in Tampa uh, or against Tampa rather in Carolina. Um, so there's a lot of interesting matchups for younger players uh, who should have good games. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, who I think is a guy you had up or maybe you had Wandale up uh, behind you mm-hmm. a minute ago. Yeah, um, but but some of those younger receivers uh, against an atrocious Philly uh, secondary. So there's a lot of really interesting matchups uh, for the young guys. I want to see how they how they do and close out the season, even if they're not playing the playoffs. How about you? Yeah. Um, uh, I, fun fact is we get Kenneth Gainwell going against the Giants, and that's the touchdown bet. So I was I just saw I just saw like 15 people posting about it. And I was like, yeah, because DeAndre's was out this week, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, look at that. We can continue this narrative, just some fun like that. But overall, yeah, with you, um, Wandale, he's very much like a PPR. Like the way they use him, it's not big boy routes. It's a lot of short stuff underneath, a lot of cheat code stuff for fantasy. That's great. It's just like not developmental stuff for a wide receiver. This is kind of the issue we have with Rashi Rice. He's still not. Like that's my one question mark with Rashi Rice. He's not running all of these what we call big boy routes. It's a lot of stuff. And I mean, if you look at his yak, I think he only trades trails Debo and like Mm -hmm. yak per attempt. It's insane. So he's like really good. Like what he's done, he's been fantastic. I just kind of want to see as we move into the playoffs, maybe they extend that role a little bit more and grow yep. on that because that's how you know you have a true like an elite wide receiver in the NFL moving forward. So if they start doing that with him, that'll be very interesting to see. And I mean that whole that whole team's in kind of like just disarray at the moment because Kelsey's taking a step back. He, the line's struggling. Mahomes has been worse. I mean they get Pacheco back, so that's nice this week. So it should heavily depend on those two guys. So overall, like yep. I'm excited to see that. But yeah, like it's. It's focusing on a lot of the young guys, and like this week in general gives us more of the like the names we're not familiar with. So it's like Wandale Robinson. You could plug him in; like he's been very good for you down the stretch. He's going to get a lot of touches on that offense again. They 
like they, we've seen it. Tyrod Taylor is a solid quarterback, so he's in that Gardner Minshew range of quarterbacks where it's you know it's not great, it's not bad, it's kind of just that hit or miss depending on a few variance plays. So yeah, he could be could have the nice like eight target game, get you ten plus points in your scroll there. So yeah, there's a lot of guys outside the box that you're going with. Um, the dynasty lens is a little bit different. Is there anyone particular like after today's game since basically the season's going to be over after this point? Are there any players you have your mindset on that you're like going to target or are there any players you're looking to sell heading into the offseason? So tough. Um, one game I'm kind of staring down, which we haven't mentioned. Uh, we did mention Roshan, but that Green Bay mm-hmm. Chicago game, super interesting. We talked about this earlier in the week uh, where uh, Justin Fields, I really think that Chicago should build around him uh, as opposed to bringing in the unknown of, look, potentially an amazing uh, future, uh, franchise quarterback in Caleb Williams, um, into the building, but you know, also a potential bust. I think, you know, more or less what you have in fields, he's progressing. Um, that offense, uh, is, is doing good things. And that defense has turned around. Like they could very well, uh, take down green Bay in Lambeau this week, um, and not green Bay out of the playoffs, which would be such an amazing, uh, feet I think for Justin Fields uh and where kind of Chicago started the game uh and on the other side of the ball you got all those young wide receivers I think Wicks is still out um Jaden Reed I think he's he's a go I think he's playing yeah, yeah. I think so. and and so uh, you know it's just it's really interesting to see what Jordan if Jordan Love can keep up his amazing uh pace um because right now I think you can probably get Jordan Love for uh, a mid first round pick at the moment um, if he goes on a run and, you know, uh, they win a couple playoff games, he continues to do, uh, much more than he should be doing with little, um, uh, you know, uh, it's only going to increase his value. Uh, so those are two quarterbacks and, um, you, you know, uh, the running back situation there in Chicago, the receiver situation in green Bay, uh, that I think are very interesting for dynasty, uh, especially kind of hinging on what happens this week. Yeah, I think, like, speaking of Jordan Love, we can talk about him for a second. Yeah, He's, like, done a complete transformation. So, from week nine moving forward, he's the third highest PFF pass grade in the NFL. It's almost 90. Like, it's absurd. His, yeah. So, if you look at the splits from week nine on where he's really just come forward and he's been just awesome, he's really been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I think it's gone under the radar. And I know we were talking about this, like, right around that time of the year, like, we were getting ready towards the playoffs, and you're like, should I send a first for Jordan Love? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I have, you know, I, know. I was not fully on board at that point in time, which I regret because now I'm very yeah. much on board at this point in time. But you know, this is what it is. I mean, you got Kyler, so it's not it's not so yeah. disturbing. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's um, yeah. But yeah, I think he's the the guy that the market's not fully caught up on yet. I'm pretty sure the deal I had in place was Love and Reed for a first and like Michael Wilson or something. (laughs) And so now, you know, you regret some of those uh, chances you didn't take, but yeah, um, it's so good. And then, you know, there's, there's a couple other ones. I mean, the guy behind you right now, I mean, what Mm -hmm. the hell are we doing with Geno Smith? Such a down year, a disappointment considering, I believe he was the QB five to finish out the season last year. Um, And so, and I'm not sure if that's six point or four point, um, scoring, but he was just absolutely electric. You add a piece, right? Um, you add uh, a nice asset at running back, and Charbonnet hasn't seen the field enough, but he's seen it to the point where we can tell that he's a good, he's going to be a quality NFL running back. Um, 
And, you know, I don't know really, you know, maybe you can offer insights um, as to what the heck happened with Geno Smith because he kind of just fell off a cliff and uh, he really had no reason to do so this year. Yeah, it's it's been weird. Like they can get out of his contract. I'm looking at it right now. It's only it's only seventeen million dollars in dead cap, which would save them, you know, a little bit of money going into the year. So they could do that if they wanted to. I just don't know what they do because they're going to be in this middle area where they either have to trade up to go get one of those like promising young rookie quarterbacks, or they have to kick the tires on like the Baker Mayfield types, which is what they were trying to do on Geno Smith, which they did two years ago, and it worked out, and they got the contract. So. I'll pivot to Tampa Bay for a second. They're gonna, they might do the same thing that Seattle did, where they paid him, you know, a good amount of money. It's not a, a terrible contract; it kind of works for both sides. But yeah, it just kind of fell apart. Well, um, a lot of injuries start the season, and it just snowballed from there. Where the line was in shambles early on, and we saw it. I remember watching the Rams game week one, where they were fine the first half of the the first half, and the second half, the tackles went out. They had no backup. The backup tackles were in. It was a disaster. They could not move the ball because it was immediate pressure. And it kind of trickled throughout the season, and you saw this really in JSN, and like it hit him hard because he was doing nothing past line of scrimmage. It was all underneath stuff. He wasn't yep. doing any big blur routes. They were like, guess what? We need you just to stay around the line of scrimmage and catch whatever we get because we don't trust our own line. So he really didn't get to develop, so that kind of handled that. They still had Lockett. They still had DK. So it kind of hit, hurt him from that point. And Gino just – he just struggled. Like he wasn't bad by any stretch. He just wasn't as good. And we saw basically the variance kind of kick back in from two years ago. He had a lot of turnover-worthy plays that just did not turn in turnovers. This year he's had more turnovers come like into fruition because of that. So I think it's kind of a little bit of luck um, on the negative side coming back to Cotton, which was so good the previous year. But like you kind of know what Geno Smith is, I think. Like he's not yep. a franchise quarterback. He's a guy that can win you games on occasion, but He's in that, you know, 10 to 20, like, quarterback rankings, however you want to phrase it. If you don't like him, he's, like, quarterback 20. If you like him, he's, like, you know, QB 10, however you want to do that. But, yeah, it's just – it's a rough year. Um, I'm not sure where Seattle goes at this point moving forward because they had such promise the year before, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, we made the playoffs, got steamrolled by San Francisco. We got the draft picks. They bring them in. And they just have not seen a lot of development out of a lot of those guys. Like, the pass rush still isn't fully there. The back end took a step, like – they fell apart a little bit there. Um, I mean, they have Witherspoon, but outside of that, the safeties kind of were not great. Um, the other guy, I can't remember his own blanket on his name. Um, he fell apart a little bit, who was basically in contention for rookie of the year. But overall, it's just a lot of things have not gone Seattle's way this year. So yeah. we'll see what happens moving forward with Pete Carroll. Um, he's getting older too. So, you know, we, we might see him move on. It's just – it's a weird transition point for them. So I kind of want to dig into it a little bit more. But as of this moment right now, I don't know where they go. If they make the playoffs – they're they're gonna run it back like they're not gonna yeah. be like you know oh we made the playoffs we won for Pete Carroll so I think this right, game right. is really gonna set the tone for them in the offseason so we'll see I mean yeah it's gonna be I'm as you can tell I'm kind of just I, all over this place with this team because I don't know <laughs> what to expect from them so yeah they they, just, they need to like they need to address the line they need to address the D line like you know the traditional things go down the trenches and play their the Seattle ball so we'll see how it happens I don't know what do you how do you feel about this team moving forward about Seattle. Yeah, I mean, all the weapons are in place, right? It's like you said, mm -hmm. you want to see the the line perform, and and I think especially as in fantasy, we get so excited about the weapons. If you don't have the line in place, um, it's a problem, right? Like the reason Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl last year um, and is the number, you know, flirting with a buy or at least you know started ten and zero anyway, is because of that offensive line that they have. It's not AJ Brown, it's not Devontae Smith, it's not um, Jalen Hurts as great as they are. Um, it's 
it's uh, Jason Kelsey and uh, that incredible line in front of Hertz uh, that is really propelling them. It's why the, the Detroit Lions uh, mm-hmm. are so good with Jared Goff. It's why the Indianapolis Colts were surviving uh, when Jonathan, you know, it's why they turned anyone and everyone who's, who set foot behind them uh, into uh, an all-star running back, you know. Um, so it's why the Cleveland Browns are so good with Joe Flacco. You know, Joe Flacco isn't dumb. You know, he, I'm sure he went to the Cleveland Browns because he's like, well, at least these guys can keep me upright for as long as possible. Uh, and I'm not going to get murdered back there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, offensive line uh, matters a lot more than I think we in the fantasy space give it credit for. And, uh, you know, going forward, listen, there's, there's plenty of injury throughout the season um, all over the place in every, in every team. Uh, but it's something really to, uh, to consider when you're looking at how these guys are going to perform going forward. And, you know, uh, you could have said at the beginning of the year, Jared Goff is an average NFL quarterback. Well, that's true. But if his line is going to be studly and they're going to open up holes for his two great running backs, uh, then he's going to have nothing but time back there. Uh, when he's dropping back or play action or what have you. So uh, it's something to something to really consider. You know, Derrick Henry uh, totally falling apart because uh, uh, who was it? Uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Was it Taylor Decker? Uh, whoever yeah. in Tennessee uh, retired uh, the, the beginning of the season, and then there was a major injury as well. Um, and obviously they just fall apart. Uh, it's no fault of, of Henry's, even though he's aging. So uh, it's it's a huge consideration. It's something to keep in mind. And, and like you said, if Seattle can fix it, uh, can figure it out, great. Uh, if not, who knows? Uh, Minnesota facing that very situation today with two offensive linemen out in a must-win game. So who knows? I, I think this is kind of the – for mainstream fantasy football, obviously there are people that do offensive line, defensive line, right? Yeah. things like that. But it's not – you know, you're not just going to talk to a random person and be like, oh, yeah, their O-line's like this. They have these, like, it's kind of a thing that we don't understand very much. So, and we, we hit on this with running backs kind of doing our basically any season show where we're talking about certain running backs fit schemes very well. And obviously they play well with their offensive line. And this works for both quarterbacks and running backs as well, right? If you know the scheme and they have this success and you're able to count on them, it's so much easier to do your job as a quarterback and in particular as a running back because no one's more dependent on their line than that running back, right? Because they yeah. need the holes. Even when it's like a Jonathan Taylor, like we've seen him struggle the year before because the offensive line struggles. He was not the same player. Obviously, there were injuries, but like you see these minor like dings to a player, and sometimes it's just the offensive line. And Seattle's yeah. dealing with these issues right now. They have their kind of their bookend tackles. It's just the rest is kind of all over the place when they figure yeah. out. But yeah, like Minnesota, you're talking about. Um, there's a prop where it's like Ty Chandler's projected for 50 rushing yards, smashing the under on that. Like I don't even want to touch that. Like you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because they have no the line. It's yep. a disaster, and so it's just like yeah. it's nice to kind of dig into the line and get to know it a little bit better because if you understand that and how teams use their scheme, and particularly with Goff, like he's a pumpkin when he gets pressured. So if you keep yeah. him upright and down, he absolutely exactly. can shred a defense. So they have probably one of, if not the best offense line. It's like them in Philadelphia. I would say Detroit's like they're the top yeah. two, and it just it makes the world your life so much easier as a quarterback because you don't have the yeah. pressure, you don't have to worry about it. You can just run your offense and just just hit your guys. It's just. Yeah, it's just it makes a world difference. So yeah, I think if we get better at understanding that, it's just it's so much easier. For real. And you know, Brock Purdy for all of his system fit, uh, which is true, he's got gigantic ass trend from mm-hmm. you know, multiple all world triple on the left side, mm-hmm. you know, protecting the blind side, you know. So it's just really just matters like who you have in front of you. And look, there's gonna be uh thankfully Gardner Minshew and uh Anthony Richardson are running around like Wildman back there. Uh, so you don't necessarily need the Colts offensive line to be a pass blocking unit. Uh, they're better 
uh, at run blocking anyway. Uh, and with Taylor, Moss, uh, Goodson, whatever the hell you want to throw back there, Trey Benson, what are we doing? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Me, I'm, I got 20 carries for the Colts if they, if they end up – I think they're totally eliminated from the playoffs. But if they, uh, if they end up making – squeaking in or whatever, uh, I got 20 carries <laughs> next week. And I'll be all right. I won't, I won't completely die because that offense is <laughs> fantastic. So it's just – you know, it, it matters a lot more than I think uh, we give it credit for. And, um, you know, it's probably a reason why Dallas is a pretender and Philly is still a contender despite – a terrible defense and losing yes. what is it four straight you know um so it's been rough hey, it's been rough it Philly. that's just been a just like that the offense is still one of the top 10 units they're still good it's just the defense been an outright disaster in Philadelphia. and this yeah. is the thing like it's still one of the better offenses they're just not the truly elite offense they were last year they've regressed a little bit but that's hitting on top of it with their defense just suck it's like they're bad across the board defensively and this is weird because you know the front seven's really good right but they're just not getting it done. So, like, you see how they're just getting shredded in pass coverage. They have nobody they can defend, so they can't get pressure. Like, then these guys are passing four yards against them. So that's kind of a, you know. And everyone's like, "Are oh, you bet on Philadelphia for the Super Bowl? It's like, no, no, sir. Not till no. they show, like, that defense, right? So, yeah. yeah. And you see this going in. So, yeah, if, if, you know, it is what it is. It's just it's weird to look at from one year to the next how much it changes. And, like, yeah. we might not notice it initially, but, like, over time it's really just – the bullet points hit and build up and build up. And you see like this, you see this with green Bay. Like, I don't think anybody wants to play green Bay right now. They look like one of the better teams mm-hmm. in the NFL. Right. So like, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And moving into the playoffs, like I'm excited to see how these teams that are kind of on hot streaks right now, if they're able to continue that into the playoffs or if, you know, they go up against the competition, maybe it kind of ends their run. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And the interesting thing too, like we say about um, discounting mm-hmm. the whole line, uh, the other thing that's that's tough from a fantasy perspective to really dig into is like individual defensive players. Like certainly mm-hmm. there's plenty of leagues where you may play and you may know the guys who are putting up weekly points, but the way that certain players and how they, um, you know, work within a scheme uh, or specifically uh, move from a different team uh, that you might not have noticed. I just found out about 20 minutes before the show that Juan Thornhill is no longer a Kansas City Chief. He's been on the Cleveland Browns all year. And to me, like, that was just kind of something that clicked in my head. Yeah, sure. I probably heard the report in the offseason, but -hmm. it just didn't register. But it's like not understanding, even though I'm totally used to seeing Thornhill, like, fly all around the field for Kansas City, not totally understanding how that negatively impacts Kansas City uh, to such a degree where their defense, yeah, Legereus Sneed is fantastic. Uh, They still have plenty of guys on the back end. Um, who can, you know, uh, work and, and shut down uh, a fair amount of offenses. However, um, you know, they're not what they were last year. And then looking at Cleveland, and even though they lost uh, uh, Grant Delpit, uh, even though um, he signed a massive deal, they still have a lot of these guys in the back end. They're just, you know, they're just uh, continue to um, show a, a wealth of talent on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary um, and those guys are just going to eat in the playoffs. Like if they show down against, um, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, against the Buffalo Bills, right? Even against the Kansas City Chiefs, like uh, Cleveland's probably a favorite, you know, um, it, even just from a offense against, uh, you know, the other team's offense against that defense perspective. And then you got Joe Flacco. Uh, slinging it so it's uh it's really interesting to kind of just think about how uh the movement of some of those defensive players 
uh, matter, I think, uh, in the middle of the season as well. I can't think of who exactly it was, but a ton of veterans were signed around week eight, nine, or ten. I know my I know Miami signed a couple. Um, I know the Ravens brought in uh, Kyle Van Noy, for example, um, who showed up last night, even even in the loss. So uh, there's a lot like that's that's happening, that's shuffling around, that's di- drastically changing the way that these defenses uh, operate, uh, and that's something that sometimes we lose sight of too. Yeah, hundred percent. It totally makes sense. And like, like you're talking about, particularly like some of these teams, they struggle because of those issues. So it's, it's. I think it's gonna be fun to watch who out of these teams, because like we expect the Ravens kind of seem like they are the tier. I still know San Francisco absolutely got obliterated by them. I still think they're the best team in the NFC. Yeah. So like outside of those two teams, like the rest of the teams have their own issues. Dallas has a lot of good things going for it, but as you've seen, certain games where their defense gets carved up. Same thing with Philadelphia. Like their defense is the issue there. When you go to like the AFC, Kansas City, like their offense is the problem. And that's just so yeah. weird to say. Like they have really good defense, right? But the offense and all the issues they can, they just can't trust those wide receivers. So it's it's really just interesting. And the line issues on top of it. So it's a compounding effect where you have multiple things going against you. It takes someone who is considered Superman, Patrick Mahomes. He looks basically mortal this year. And it's weird. He's still good. Like it's not like he's bad, but he's just not the elite Patrick Mahomes of old. So it's like yep. you have these things that work against these players, and it's hard as us for fantasy analysts to kind of predict that. Like we think we know it, but really, like you go into the season and so much changes, you're like, okay, yeah. Like yeah. it's like, all right, yeah, I, I totally anticipated Jaden Reed to have you know 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like no, no, you did not. Dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Stuff like that. It's like yeah, I like the guy. I had him yeah. as a mid second round pick in rookie drafts, but it's like yeah. if you're gonna tell me what's the overrunner in his line, I would have been like. 550 yards maybe you know and we go from there yeah. So yeah it's just like it shows you how much change and there's injuries and all these things kind of just go into effect so yeah it's yeah. we go in with some information and preconceived notions and a lot and like some of the times we're just drastically wrong on some of these guys speaking of like marvin mims the guy that's just been so just basically just big play dependent and he hasn't really <laughs> grown his role because like this was kind of who he was in college he's a big play guy there's mm-hmm. a lot of short stuff or he was just doing bombs downfield so like you said all his a dot was really high but like he wasn't, he wasn't able to work the intermediate routes in the middle of the field. So like, yeah. he kind of fits with Russ really well because Russ could do that. Now Russ is not the quarterback, and you know they have their own issues in Denver and all those things, right? But you kind of want to see him kind of grow as a wide receiver. And it's just some of these guys are more projects. So it's like we get yeah. super excited for them. It's like I remember hearing talk like he could be the wide receiver one in Denver, and I was like, ooh, I don't know. Like let's pump the brakes a little bit. And obviously, you know, <laughs> the wide receiver room there is not the best with Judy yeah. and Sutton's been good, but. Outside of that, yeah, it's just, you know, it's these little things. And then they just slowly just build in the season. Like, okay. So, like, yeah, I think I heard somewhere around, like, week four is the data point where, like, the stuff starts to get a little sticky for players and stuff like that. So, you can kind of just draw your data and move forward. And obviously, you know, go to week eight and 12 and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's just, you know, you learn stuff every year. So, it's fun to kind of just, ref- like, we're kind of in reflection mode ourselves right now. Look back and yeah. be like, oh, yeah, this guy hit. This guy didn't hit. Why didn't they hit? You know, stuff like that. So, overall, yeah, I think it's just fun. And I'll, I, I, I personally think this is why I love doing this just because I guess I'm a degenerate, you could say, very much so. So <laughs> it's like, you know, with all the league played in and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but yeah, it's just, it's fun. So, um, a, a few questions for you. And this is just something I was thinking about. There's a couple of um, players who were looking, maybe their first year, second year, even third year players who were looking to eventually take a leap. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw out a few names because these are names that I'm constantly thinking about. Um, you know, where are you on their dynasty stock? Uh, what do you think specifically going into next year? Um, you know, are you trying to, like you asked me earlier, are you trying to acquire them? Are you trying to, you know, jettison them, you know, mm-hmm. out into the abyss 
of the fantasy universe for like whatever, uh, you know, you can get back. Uh, are you, you know, where are you with these guys? And the first guy is my most owned dynasty player. I'm still not sure if it's a good thing or not. Jamison Williams. What are you thinking oh, about Jamo? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm at the point with Jamo where I think he's just a better life, better life, like NFL player than he's a fantasy yep. player. I actually liked him a lot coming out. So like he was the wide receiver in that class for me. And that was my mistake with that was the ACO. Like I just anticipated yeah. his value would be fine, but like he basically missed the entire year, did nothing for you. The problem is he didn't only miss the year, he came back and did nothing. So it was even worse for him than like, yeah. you know, someone doesn't play like the fight. And it's just like, you see that and you're like, all right, he's dealing with injuries. Like, all right, then what happens? Okay. Now we have the freaking suspension and we have that going into it this year. It's just like, good just man like get it together and you see him like make these big plays obviously he has the speed that's like the key thing that he has it's truly difference making reminds me of sean jackson he does but like overall at this point with him like you just haven't seen enough right so like yep, i agree and with you know laporta being basically the tight end one in dynasty yep. almond ross and brown's the top four dynasty tight end like wide receiver mm-hmm. like where does he fit in to be like a useful fantasy asset that's where i'm coming from like if you want him in best ball, like I think that's the kind of format, basically sure. like the Gabe Davis is the world, right? But like, there's no way in hell I'm ever going to have a like league where I'm starting him. Like I can't imagine myself like week eight. I got a big matchup. I can't imagine putting James Williams into my lineup, right? Like I don't, yeah. I don't know how he goes from here to that point where I'm comfortable yeah. doing that. Like he really has to just has to take a gigantic leap for me. So like overall, yeah, I mean if he's like the flyer type guys. If you want to spend a third round pick on him, I'm not gonna tell anybody not to spend a third round pick because it's third round pick, yeah. right? But like, I'm not not gonna be like, all right, trade this guy because you know people would be like, all right, what did you do with Derrick Henry? It's like, all right, move him. It's like, all right, move him for what, right? Yeah. It's like those type of guys enter the stratosphere. It's like, I better just ride the old dude. Like, I'll just take the old dude to the grave. So yeah, I don't know. I know like you've talked about JMO a lot. Are you? What What's your kind of plan with him since you've been very like in on him? So I'm I got, I'm up to 42 percent exposure, um, and I was in on him early in the season before early in the off season <coughs> before um before all the news came out about the suspension right so yeah it's tough and i drafted a ton of them right so uh, it's tough right like his best finish this season was wide receiver 26 right uh he was only getting up to that when he somehow found the end zone on like two catches or two targets um you know he's been targeted a lot in the last couple of weeks which is nice he came down with uh, four receptions and five receptions in back-to-back games two weeks ago, uh, but only for about 45 average yards per game. Uh, he put up uh, two for 69 last week on three targets, but this is who he is. Like you said, he's Deshaun Jackson, except without the touchdowns. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, is who is he? He's like Alec Pierce. You know what I mean? Like, oh, these are the yeah, guys yeah. that – these are the guys that, like, I think had a lot of potential – but like you said, they're just not showing that they can actually convert that into useful fantasy outputs on a regular basis. And Jameson Williams hopes to be Gabe Davis at this point. Um, you know, he, he, you hope that you can get a couple of 20 point games out of him, um, yeah. but it's just not looking good. So, look, I, I bought him for a first. I spent first round capital to, to draft him right uh, in a lot of spots. So it's just what do you do now? I think in most cases you hold, you hope he develops, you hope that, um, you know, they can take a little bit off of Laporta's plate because St. Brown's workload isn't going anywhere. He's probably overused, but you know, it is what it is. Gibbs is going to continue to be a monster. 
I think uh, the Lions will be smart to have someone like David Montgomery, uh, even once mm-hmm. Montgomery is done, to spell Gibbs. Um, so, yeah, there's really no room for a volume guy. Uh, there's room for a field stretcher, but your field stretcher isn't going to give you uh, what you need from a fantasy perspective. So, yeah, if I can sell him for a first uh, early to mid second, totally, uh, I'm totally on board. Otherwise, I'm holding and praying. There you go. I mean, sad you got state. Your guys, right? Sad state. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, who are you? St- like, like this question for Moon Vibes. What up, Moon Vibes? Um, if you don't follow Moon Vibes, he makes really good content and he does a lot of fun stuff, particularly in the college football. Like, I, I saw a clip of his yesterday where he was talking shit to somebody and it was hilarious. Where he was like, awesome. he was like, "Oh, you're gonna play me like that? All right." So I just very much enjoyed it. But <laughs> um, yeah. So personally, I have Chris Olave the highest. Um, who are you playing of these three? I mean, I love Olave. He burned me so hard, I think, <laughs> two weeks ago. Um, I lost something like uh, I had 14 uh, playoff teams in the semifinals and only six advanced to the finals. And one of those reasons was uh, Chris Olave. Um, mm-hmm. there, were a few, there were a few other reasons, but he was one of them. Burned me so hard. Uh, yeah, I'm totally good with starting him, right? You can absolutely um, you know, move the ball against Atlanta. We know. Uh, that uh, AJ Terrell and company are, are capable of shutting down number ones. Uh, this could be more of a Rashid Shahid game, but you know they may not even need those guys because this could be a you know a six to three game here, especially with Amara out, especially with uh, Desmond Ritter back in. So uh, it, it's so hard with Alave right now. Um, it's hard to say no. Um, I'm going to say no to Boston Scott. But Chuba has just really intrigued me uh, all season. And, you know, even in the last couple of weeks when he uh, has been putting up fewer points than really he should have, he's still got the volume on his side, Uh, whether it's in the run game or receiving game, he's still getting the workload. I think you just ride that. Um, You know, Tampa is uh, a bit stout um, up front, but they haven't been as formidable um, as they were early in the season. And Chuba's just looked awesome. So uh, I think in their last game of the season, uh, he's look, he's looking to try to convince whoever the GM or uh, coach or, you know, owner is going to be next season in Carolina. Uh, he's looking to convince them that he's, he can be the guy and that you don't need to draft or bring in another running back. So, you know, uh, I expect Chuba to have a good game. Uh, I would, I would play him over the more volatile Chris Olave at this point. Yeah, the um, interestingly enough, the fancy points against the last four weeks of the past month, Tampa Bay is giving up 16 fancy points to running backs total to the position. Um, and Carolina is giving up 21 fancy points to wide receivers. So, like, these are both bottom three options. It sucks yeah. and it's not great yeah. just because, like, that's the strength of these defenses and what it's been all year. Carolina is really, they post teams to run against them and they're like, the way their offense works, it's slow. It really just kills fancy production because. They stop like passing attacks. They let you run, so it eats up time. And then their offense is all about running the ball. Well, they like covered, right? So like, there's that. And then with Alave, yeah, hundred percent. Like it's just boom bust. But like, I'm gonna chase the ceiling Alave has personally. Um, if you want, I have, I have my flex rankings. Hubbard is my number twenty player. I have Alave at fourteen. So like, they're pretty close together. Um, I like both guys this week. I think Olave should actually smash. Like, I get it. I know he's going against Carolina. I don't really care. Or, sorry, he's going against Tampa Bay. Okay. I don't really care. So, yeah. So, or I'm flipping those two. That's my head roll. Yeah. Place. But, yeah. Like, I'm just chasing the best player. Like, this is something I do get a little too cute sometimes where I pick and choose matchups when I, like, just bench my favorite player, Same. right? It's like, 
sometimes you got to ride the player. And then, like you talked about, it burned you with Olave, right? So, like, this is what you kind of accept from these guys. But yeah. he could absolutely smash. Um, with They just don't have a lot of good options. With Kamara out, that takes a good chunk of passing workout. I know people yeah. like Jawan Johnson and like Rashid Shahid, but like Chris Olave is like multiple tiers above those guys. So, yeah, like mm-hmm. I'm expecting like a double digit hard day for Olave personally. But yeah, if you okay. want Hubbard, I think he's a safer guy. So you can plug yeah. him in. Agree. Get Agree 10, 15 points, go with that and just roll. Um, if you want to fire, if you want to fire really upside shot, you go with Boston Scott. I don't want to do that. You have no, no idea how those touches are going to go. I personally think Gainwell is going to see a lot of volume today. Like, I think he's just a better running back. There's no injury news on him. So, like, he should be good. So I think Gainwell is going to be the 1A. Scott will be the one day. Scott could get a touchdown. You know how that works with them. But overall, yeah, that's where I'm at with those guys. I'm just taking a look to see if Rashad Penny is active. <laughs> He's been he was man, last I was week. so he excited was last for Rashad week. Penny. God, Rashad. Just Far can't much. work out. Hey, he's got like six carries for 24 yards. So he's been efficient on those six carries, but it's, you know what I'm saying? it's like goodness, Rashad. I don't know. It's just not there. Yeah, that second yeah. really just brutal injury. Well, really, you know. He's a running back. It's his second brutal injury, them. So it makes sense, yeah. right? I was just hopeful. I was like, yeah, he could be the running back there. And it's like, oh, they got Swift. And I go, fudge. And it's like, well, it's not going to work out too well for him. But Swift is just another guy that's just been tantalizing upside. He just can't hit it. He just can't. And like, even in this situation with him, like, no touchdowns, like, he's not getting passing work. It's just kind of just, he's just been I a think, guy. So it's, I think it's a really good time to move off of DeAndre Swift in the offseason for yeah. whatever you can get. Um, you might be able to move him for a second round pick. Um, but mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey has hinted, uh, if not outright said that this is his last season, right? Um, mm-hmm. and once that line falls apart, and that to me spells the beginning of the end for that line, I think it's gonna deteriorate quickly. Um, once that happens, you know, uh DeAndre Swift is gonna go back to whoever DeAndre Swift always was, right? Uh it's kind of that same phenomenon that we were talking about earlier in Indianapolis. Where you stick anyone behind those line, that line, they could run for 100 yards. Uh, in Philly, DeAndre Swift looked just as good as Miles Sanders. You saw what happened to Miles Sanders this season. He was absolutely nothing on Carolina with a horrific offensive line. Um, you know, he's if that line starts to fade, um, look, you have Jalen Hurts, right? So you're more than capable of moving the ball with him, evading defenders in the backfield, um, running around, throwing it, passing it, continuing with the RPO. Uh, but the running game could and probably will suffer uh, when the line uh, deteriorates. So, yeah, I'm trying to move off of Swift as much as possible. And I don't have a lot, but uh, I'll move off of him uh, very quickly this offseason. Yeah, he's. I'm looking on uh, DynastyDaddy.com, which is like my favorite, favorite Dynasty site because it has Keep Trade Cut. It has um, Fancy Calc, which is real value. He's the RB16 in Dynasty. That's like yeah. there's a lot of guys in that range. So if you're looking to move him, you can pivot into another running back fairly easily. Yeah. Or I see a lot of trades where it's like him plus a first for an elite player. Like you can do something along those natures. Like his value still is not totally depressed. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like I would just get out why the value is still there. Like in the as soon as he got traded to Philadelphia, I traded him for Aaron Jones in a first round pick. The Aaron Jones stuff has killed me, but like the first yeah. round pick was the reason why I did the deal. And then I finally got Aaron Jones, plugged him in for the championship. But I was like, finally, like we get something. <laughs> so like it ended up working out. But nice, yeah, nice. there's a lot. There's a lot you can do with this. Like, all right, all right, give me one yeah. second. I gotta go check that out. Just yeah, no worries. Yeah, I mean, and we were talking earlier about. Well, actually, while Jesse's gone, I'm just gonna run through a few of the playoff clinching scenarios, uh, and I'll probably start with the AFC and leave the NFC for when he comes back uh, with. Uh, his beloved Seattle Seahawks still with a chance. So uh, right now today, 
Uh, Buffalo Bills play Miami. It's basically a win and you're in uh, situation, although Miami's record is uh, good enough where they can lose and still, I think, comfortably make the playoffs. If Buffalo loses, uh, there's a chance that they make the playoffs, but ultimately they're out. So it's really a winner in situation for them. Uh, we know that Houston is basically in at this point, um, and they could win the division title if Jacksonville loses. So that's another interesting game that's going on. Uh, Jacksonville against Tennessee. If Jacksonville wins, they're automatically in. If they lose, um, they they are basically out uh, because Pittsburgh won. So uh, Pittsburgh is looking for Jacksonville or Buffalo to lose, uh, and they get in, squeak into the playoffs, which is super interesting now with the TJ Watt news and everything that's going on there with their quarterback situation. Uh, but Mike Tomlin is an absolute beast, and they can cobble something together uh, potentially. So uh, Pittsburgh could sneak into the playoffs. Uh, because of that big win against the Ravens. And then uh, the Indianapolis Colts, we know they lost, so they are out. Um, so really, it's just a situation of what happens. Uh, does Buffalo lose? Um, if Buffalo doesn't lose, uh, does Jacksonville lose? And that will depend whether uh, between Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Pittsburgh, who gets into the playoffs. And then there's some seeding implications on the AFC side. For the NFC, things get a lot more complicated. Uh, first of all, the Atlanta Falcons can win the division. Some, uh, I, look, uh, I don't know. Jesse, are you back? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I just went, ran through the AFC um, playoff implications, but basically it's this. Um, Pittsburgh is in if Buffalo or Jacksonville loses. Um, if I think it's if Jacksonville loses, Buffalo is in no matter what. Um, if Jacksonville wins and Buffalo loses, um, then jacksonville takes buffalo's spot but so it's pretty simple but right now if we're moving to the nfc things get a lot more complicated starting with the atlanta falcons could beat the saints and win the title <laughs> and make the playoffs at um at eight and nine so a uh, losing team winning the division uh which has certainly happened before in the nfl but ridiculous they will need the buccaneers to lose uh thankfully mm -hmm. the buccaneers are good at that but they are playing the Carolina Panthers, who are better at that. So right. uh, it's very <laughs> unlikely that the Falcons get into the playoffs, but it's still mathematically possible. So we'll put that one to the side for now. Uh, and let's just run through the rest of the NFC implications. Uh, so Dallas can actually win the NFC East, depending on what Philadelphia does. Uh, they just need a win um, and a Philly loss. I think they might just need a win, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, If they win, their, they win the title. If Philly loses, they win the title. Uh, so they hold the tiebreaker there, which works for them. Either way, that's just seeding implications. Uh, here's where it gets really interesting, especially for you and your Seattle Seahawks, Jesse. Uh, so the Green Bay Packers win and they're in. They control their destiny, but there's a lot that can happen if the Minnesota Vikings lose. The Minnesota Vikings can make it in, but they basically need Green Bay, Seattle, and Tampa or New Orleans to lose, which is kind of ridiculous especially with the way their line is shaping up and, and what they're about to experience this week. We can almost eliminate them, but it's possible. But they're in the Atlanta Falcons uh, spray and pray boat at the moment. Uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, win and a Tampa loss, and they are in. Uh, they can also get in with uh, Seattle and Green Bay losses. So there's a few different roads, so it's a little bit more interesting for them. Uh, so they will need Chris Olave to go off. Um, of course, we know the Eagles situation. Uh, just for seeding purposes. Uh, and then we have Tampa. Tampa controls their own destiny. Uh, they can move to nine and eight. 
uh, by beating the terrible Carolina Panthers, which should be all but uh, assured um, if they lose, they're out. So that's an interesting one. Uh, and then the Seattle Seahawks, they need to win, and then they need a Green Bay loss to kind of just solidify that playoff berth. So it's a wild, wild situation for the NFC, both in terms of seeding and who gets into the playoffs. And I think um, I heard on uh, – man. I listen to a fair amount of podcasts, so I can't necessarily always remember where I heard it from. It was probably some combination of John Macri or or uh, Matt Waldman or someone who was talking about um, the fact that, uh, you know, maybe even Sam Monson, who was talking about the fact that in week 17, I think it was, there were something like 20 NFL teams still potentially uh, able to make the playoffs, which is the most by far. Uh, over the last couple of decades. So uh, just insane amount of movement and and who can get in. But uh, I don't know. What are you thinking about the NFC playoff picture and, and especially your Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, that's like the most – this season has been all about parity, and that is shining through yeah. with just how chaotic these last, like, last two weeks are. We have so much going on. There's like – there's infinite scenarios with like losses and ties for a lot of these teams. So like I saw one, the Rams still get the seven seed if they lose and Green Bay wins because, like, they had the tiebreaker over Seattle. So, like, yeah. the, I mean, the Rams are basically in no matter how it yeah. works. As long yeah. as, like, the, you know what I'm saying? So, it's just – it's pretty interesting from how these all break down. But, yeah, like, Seattle, if they lose, they need a ton of stuff to go their way. They need both um, – what is it, like, New Orleans and the other team to lose on top of it. Mm-hmm. And so, overall, you know, just just got to get win and hope you get it. Is what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think it's fascinating because with, with the Dolphins in particular – we were talking yep. about them possibly being the one seed if they kind of ran the table. Yep. They're doing the exact opposite way, and they're barely going to squeak into the playoffs. Like, Buffalo, like, <laughs> I kind of expect Buffalo to win this game just because they absolutely destroyed Miami earlier in the season, they and they did. just matched yep. up very well against them. So, like, realistically, Buffalo is going to be the two seed. <laughs> so, it's like, it's go figure if that happens. So, you know, Buffalo was, like, basically not going to make the playoffs or two seed. I think that's just the best way to talk about how ridiculous Crazy. and just wild this season has been with injuries yep. and just – it just feels like the most chaotic, like uncertain season we've had in a long time. And I think that's because we don't have those true elite teams. Like we have, you know, Seattle or San Francisco, Baltimore, but outside of that, it's just like, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen each week. So it's been oh, very but, fun, but a little chaotic for fantasy. <laughs> One thing about that night game tonight is uh, Buffalo, when they destroyed Miami, they were in Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in Miami today. Uh, and this guy over here, <laughs> Is still alive and kicking. He's going to get uh, 20. Has any wide receiver outside of maybe Reggie Wayne <laughs> consistently <laughs> has, achieved 25 targets in a game? Because he's about to go. Buffalo secondary. I mean, they'd be smart to triple team him. Uh, Miami really doesn't have anything else. But uh, if they do, uh, watch Don't Sleep on Devon Achan who's going to yeah. destroy yeah. them over the ground. So there's only a few weapons here, but we know Mike McDaniel is going to come with it. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a much closer game than the, I think it was what, like 43 to 20 or something stupid. Yeah. It was, well, yeah, um, it yeah. Uh, it's going to be a lot closer this week, especially uh, with the Miami crowd there. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, if Josh Allen can, you know, actually, throw some touchdowns this week and avoid those interceptions um, against a much improved Dolphins D. Do we, do you know, uh, I haven't looked into it, but do you know if Xavier Howard is back, if he's out for multiple games, like what happened with that injury? I'm going to look him up. Real quick. 
they are so injured on that defense side of the ball. They're two top yeah. end rushers. Who, like their pressure rate without them is not good. So yeah. Um. So listen to this. I'm just looking right now. Dolphins will be out without Waddle, Mostert, Jalen Phillips, Xavier Howard, Bradley Chubb, Raheem Mostert, and Kyle oh, Like that's geez. just so many difference makers that they're out. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how they're getting pressure on Josh Allen. And if you're going to give Josh Allen time, like good luck, Miami. Like that's that's what it boils down to for me. Like. You got to get pressure on Allen because Allen's just so good, and I get it. He'll have had he's got the turnover streak and all that stuff, but he's still one of the best yeah. quarterbacks in the league. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not too worried sure. about it. So, like, if Tua can flip the script and not, you know, not be a pumpkin, which kind of Tua does against good defenses, which Buffalo, even though they have injuries of their own, their safeties and things of that nature, but yeah, he Tua's got to show up in this game. Like, they desperately yeah. need a bitch to do a game. If they don't get it, like, it could be rough. So. Yeah, it's just that just shows you how decimated teams can be from injuries. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of times the NFL season's a war of attrition, right? And Miami's the glaring example of that. We're crazy. It's, just, um, it's rough. Before we uh, we close it out here, because we only have a few minutes left, um, what are you looking at uh, specifically in the playoffs and who do you think um, makes and wins the Super Bowl? Okay, so I want to say Baltimore because they seem the most like like obvious answer because they're the most yeah. complete team. The thing that sucks is like they're still missing another like key difference maker offensively. Like the Mark Andrews of the world losing him. Both of those running backs are gone. We're that running back room. So like you're basically counting on Lamar to do everything, which is kind of what Lamar's done the past five years in Baltimore yeah. or sorry, Buffalo. So yeah, it's just like so I think if Baltimore loses, which is entirely possible, like I kind of want to see them against our um, Cleveland because that's just a really fun matchup with like how Cleveland mm -hmm. stacks up against them. I think that would be the most entertaining game. But yeah, I'm gonna take pick Baltimore on that side, and like it's it's really hard for me to pick against San Francisco. I get it with Brock Purdy and things of that nature, but every other team has such a like a glaring weakness. If I want to bet on a team that's like kind of on the outside looking in, I want to see what Green Bay can do. Like, they're the most interesting team to me from the NFC perspective. Yeah. So like let them get in, let them cause a little hay, um, and then like the Rams too. But the issue is the Rams defense yeah. just sucks. So it's like they yeah, they're they gonna do. they're gonna lose, but it's gonna be fireworks. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you? Who are you kind of like focusing on team wise? Well, you you did ask me early in the show um, which games I'm looking forward to watching this week, and you just hit on it. The Rams are going into uh, San Francisco to take on the 49ers in Week 18. It could be a preview of a playoff matchup. Uh, I expect both of those teams to go pretty far. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident that San Francisco will win out, but I would love to see the Rams uh, make the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, I mean, that offense is clicking. If Cooper Cup um, can just continue uh, to get healthier, right? Uh, and that line can find a way to give Stafford a little bit of more time than he's already been getting, uh, they can absolutely dominate. Like you said, they're going to have to win um, shootouts uh, because that defense isn't doing it. But we know Aaron Donald is capable of taking over games. Uh, if he can string a few insane games together uh, and limit some offenses, uh, it is possible for sure that they can dark horse their way into the Super Bowl. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for. Like you said, I think it's San Francisco. Um, and then really I was uh, team Ravens uh, for uh, the better half of the season um, to make the Super Bowl. Uh, I did not like that loss yesterday. Uh, it was ugly. Um you know, uh, I, I know they're down guys. I know, um, you know, uh, Gus Edwards has looked good um, because probably because he had a few weeks off <laughs> to, to rest uh, his old bones. But, um, you know, it's it, it, 10 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know, I know they're division rivals. I know I know they see each other twice a year and they're super familiar. And, and I think mm -hmm. it's uh, Mike Tomlin and, and John Harbaugh have faced each other like 
the second or third most of, of any <laughs> coaching duo like ever or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, th that's not a good look. Uh, losing uh, in week 18 for a team that's, you know, uh, look, they didn't start Lamar Jackson. I get it. Um, but I'm just, I, I don't like it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's putting a bad taste in my mouth. And so I'm going to pivot from Baltimore to Cleveland. Uh, I really think just with that defense, uh, the way Joe Flacco has been playing, uh, the way that they're um, able to uh, rest Amari, um, you know, hopefully see what they have in in featuring Elijah Moore this week, um, you know, and really just continue to uh, dominate the way they've been dominating. Uh, it's very possible. Look, defense wins championships, right? Um, so Cleveland, I think, uh, I don't think anyone's really arguing that between Cleveland and Baltimore, those are the two best defenses in the AFC. Um, so. Yeah. I'm I'm leaning Cleveland, uh, so I'm gonna go Cleveland, San Francisco. Uh, if you want to get spicy, you can go Cleveland uh, Rams. But I'm gonna I'm looking at a I'm looking at a Cleveland uh, championship, Cleveland Super Bowl here. Oh, baby, we'll see. Flacco. That would we'll be see. so early. That'd be incredible. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, you're talking about like teams like the Ravens kind of resting guys. San Francisco's doing that today as well. There's no Armstead, there's no McCaffrey, there's True. no Purdue, there's no Gibson, there's no Jennings. Like, they are literally resting everybody who's injured. So, yeah, I would not surprise me to see the Rams just, like, win this game. I'd, like, San Francisco just like, taking it easy. I will say the other Dark Horse team who I forgot to mention is Buffalo. Like, Buffalo intrigues me, mm -hmm. but they are just so up and down. If they if they hit, they're as good as they're up there with anybody. The problem is you yeah. just don't know what you're going to get with them week to week. They kind of play down to their competition. So, I think – Basically, in the playoffs, like, I expect them to win this game. Who knows? They might lose, and then they're down the road doing all the crazy stuff like Pittsburgh back in the day. But, yeah, they, they intrigue me. Like, you have Josh Allen, and if he runs on another heater like he did a few years ago, he could, like, basically carry that team to a championship. So, yeah, that's another team that interests me. You, you know who intrigues me? You know who intrigues me, especially if they get, uh, you know, Noah Brown and, uh, and Robert Woods healthy is the cj stroud led houston texans let's go let's make a playoff run boys let's fun, do it man. they are fun they are they are fun stroud's <laughs> awesome like I, it's so yeah. good you saw stroud, last night. he's incredible how about a stroud love super bowl oh this season God. this Just season everybody's like hey we're here don't worry about us like a rookie basically two rookies even though love's been in the league forever 0.5 like percent chance of happening but you know <laughs> we can dream we can dream <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the AFC North or sorry, the AFC South, like with Richardson mm -hmm. and Stroud. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Lawrence is the third best quarterback in that division next year. Like, we, wow. right? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. we haven't seen enough from Richardson to say that. It's just more T Law has been just disappointing. He has not been the guy that was promised. So we'll see. So much Another will, team that's going to make the playoffs, but yeah. So much Will Levis shade just totally ignoring. Oh, him. yeah. But no. Rightly so. Rightly so. But still. <laughs> Hey, Will, if you think like you want to improve and get better, I'm all aboard. Like, let's go. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah, that Tennessee situation is just odd, to say the least. Like, yeah. that's just a tough situation. It's like Hopkins and nobody. They're 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 in trouble. I think Tajay Spears is, is probably gonna, if he can hold up, get get all he can handle next year, just out of necessity. So <laughs> go buy your Tajay. <laughs> the ghost of <laughs> Traylon Burks, maybe he can make an appearance next year. Oh, we'll God. see. That was that was the other guy I was going to mention. We're running out of time here. We got a minute left, but yeah, Traylon. There's so many guys like that. Uh, even Christian mm -hmm. Watson, to an extent, right? Yep. There, there's so many guys that you really have to consider. Like, what is the team going to do with them? What are you going to do with them? 
And in most cases, and, and you got all these um, stud wide receivers entering the league, like in most cases, you really need to be careful um, and just, uh, you know, I'm probably more of a seller than a buyer this off season, uh, just trying to get value for guys. Um, yeah. and, uh, and we'll see how it shakes out. Yep. hundred percent. Like it's just, it is that way every year. Like it's, you know, yeah. you, if you buy into the rookie and you hit them, like the ceiling is so much higher. It's just sure. there's risk with them hitting. It is what it is, but yeah, it's going to yeah. be a fun off season. And like, we're going to dive into it a lot in a couple of weeks, but in the meantime, we just sure. enjoy some football and yeah. So yeah, I appreciate y'all for joining us. Um, yeah, you want to wrap it up with this, and we'll just take it on to week eighteen, and then move on to the offseason. Yeah, good luck if you're playing this week. Uh, hopefully, you're not just because of the chaos. But if you are, you know, uh, cross your fingers, <laughs> pray uh, to the god of your choice, and just just hope that it comes through. But yeah, uh, it's been a good season. Uh, we're gonna put it together in the offseason and come back even stronger next year. So yeah. All right, folks. Um, good luck and we will um we'll see you in a few weeks when we get in the off season mode. So take care and good luck finishing off those championships.